welcome to the Solar Coaster, a renewable energy theme talk show right here in lovely Maui County. Aloha and Happy New Year and welcome to the Solar Coaster CES live show here with Jason Verkart calling in from, where the heck are you, Jay? <laughs> Still in Osaka, but uh, this is a great day, isn't it? Get the solar coaster back on the tracks and uh, checking out all the crazy it stuff is. at CES 2022. Um, I'm, I'm floored by the amount of announcements that we're going through. Yeah, there's some great stuff out there. And um, so, yeah, we haven't done a show in quite a bit. Of course, this past, for those of you that are listening on uh, podcasts and audio, uh, we haven't posted a show, and I'm, I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed to say, in about a year. <laughs> and, uh, well, what were we doing during that time period? Well, we were a variety of things, but we did get involved with the cross-country film project uh, with Solar Power International, now uh, RE+, and did six core videos around uh, solar, hydrogen, microgrid, wind, EV, and energy storage. And uh, that was quite a bit of an experience. We built out our studios and learned all about filmmaking and audio and and made lots of wonderful mistakes and and uh, had a raucous time across the country in an RV. Well, maybe we'll throw some of that up on our uh, backgrounds later so you can see it. But because it's CES, right now i uh you know got in touch with jason and i was like hey man i think i might go to vegas and then very quickly it was i think i'm not going to vegas <laughs> so let's do some <laughs> stuff remote and jay's like great and actually it's it's not bad we're so used to it these days and we have and, and we have so much content out there um through the virtual uh platforms right so we can get all the b-roll we can read all the news and then we can actually you know you can actually touch base with people like i'm connecting i probably get uh, when you register for media, by the way, you get uh, approached by all the PR people, you know, leading up to the show, whether and no one knows if they're going to be there virtually or for or real, uh, you know, in this kind of a time. And you you might get 20 emails and approaches a day for like the 10 days prior. You know, there's 2,200 exhibitors typically, usually around a couple hundred thousand people. I think this year, because of Omicron, I think we're looking at maybe around 70,000 attendees. I haven't seen the numbers. Those were the estimates. I don't know what the exhibitor count is. I have seen Gary Shapiro, the uh, CTA lead. Uh, I think he's the president and CEO of CTA, the organization that you know runs uh, CES, talking about how this is a great year for small companies because a lot of the big companies aren't there right now. Uh, of course, they did their keynotes, but you know, people, uh, the the emerging companies can kind of take steal the show in a sense. Right. So we're going to get a chance to look at some of these guys that we um, want to see, the ones from the energy sector. Right. Right there about, about small companies being able to see. I think that's contributing to the sheer volume of, of noise <laughs> we've got to sift through this week. There's a lot out there. And we got to bear in mind that even prior to the discussion about, you know, this show being virtual or this show being physical or the big companies pulling out or any of that stuff. We were all really looking forward to getting to one of these shows again, but there was dialogue about a huge increase in square footage uh, at CES this year. Now, bear in mind, CES has always been the largest event annually. I've talked to the hoteliers. I've talked to the restaurant people during that time of year, and they're like, man, this is the show that hits in January that makes our year right out of the gate. So obviously it's a little bit different this year, but you know, if if we think about the, the the language that we heard earlier on, they were moving from like a million square foot of coverage. I'm just guessing on those numbers to like 1.4. They were really trying to expand, and I think that a lot of that expansion is in the space of autonomous vehicles. I mean, those things take up space, right? Air mobility, yeah. all the really cool stuff from the energy sector that we're excited to kind of like you know dig into. So I think a lot of it is sustainability, a lot of it is ag, a lot of it is you know really exciting things in sustainability is probably the the moniker that could probably hold it all together but there's energy there's autonomous vehicles there's agriculture there's you know there's so much in that right there's iot there's smart home there's ev charging there's you know oh man it's just a deluge of tech yeah and that's, that and that's the reason why they need the square footage because when you're talking well ag traditionally wasn't i mean where, where do they fit at a consumer electronics show originally it really wasn't their thing they had their own trade show circuit and they didn't 
show up. But now they're basically building giant robots for, for agriculture and farming. They sure are. And they belong at this festival. They belong at the show. And, but they're, they're very, very large. So they're going to need the space. Same thing with smart homes. You know, you want to do a smart home demonstration. Uh, you kind of bring a little, <laughs> like a tiny home <laughs> container with you. But again, that's not small. So they need yeah. all these, these footprints. Absolutely. So let's, uh, we're going to basically take an opportunity here to, well, one, we're just stoked to be back talking solar coaster. It's 2022. Uh, we've been in the solar coaster world has been up and running since 2017, I think maybe, I don't know. We've been doing this for a while now, Jay, but I'll let, uh, <laughs> I'll let you keep track of it. You know, numbering the shows was always your thing. Yes. Um, yes. Just to, just to be clear, like we, we didn't, we never really went away. We had other, other responsibilities and jobs and video projects and things going on. But um, Mr. Porter and I talked to each other at least once a week. <laughs> <laughs> about this check out this cool thing that just dropped sure sure but not as much as when we have the radio show every week right because then it was always like boom 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 stacking it up now and now yep. i think i'm excited to kind of get back like, into that because yeah, there's so much to that. keep track of there's let's so much to keep track of uh and so and and I, in the past i had been to ces this was a point of contention i think for jay but I, I went there by myself, right? Was that 2020, right? Mm. And, and I'll tell you what, the feeling I had, Jay, and this is something I wanted to bring up, is that, you know, there it was like, it's almost like the trade shows that we were, we cut our teeth on, InterSolar, which by the way, is only a couple of weeks away in uh, January in Long Beach. And then Solar Power International, where we did this project over the summer, with, which is now RE Plus and uh, the new moniker. And, you know, when we think about those shows, I tend to think of those as kind of like, those are the ones that are covering the energy, the, you know, the, the, uh, the foundational kind of energy, whether it's wind or solar, mostly solar, of course, resi, utility, commercial, all that foundational kind of infrastructure and support to be able to allow us to do really cool stuff. And then when I made that leap over to CES and I saw some of the same companies, you know, I remember mm -hmm. seeing like LG, Robert Mundo's came over and he was like, hey, where's Jay? You know, right on the floor <laughs> in Vegas. For, yeah, I'm serious, man. You know, and so it was, uh, there's a lot of the same companies, but there's more of, and I'll use this term, kind of borrowing this term from Brian Patterson of Emerge Alliance. He calls it the killer apps, right? He likes mm -hmm. to talk about the parallels in energy and telephony is the term he uses, right? And the killer apps, this is why, look at this, Indianapolis 500 autonomous Indianapolis, right? You know, this, like this kind of stuff, okay? When you have electric, you have abundant electrons, what do you do with those electrons? Well, CES is going to tell you what you do with those electrons, man. And what you do is some really fun, and I want to say the word shit. Can I say shit? We're not on air anymore on radio. I know you're, I know you're a little more proper than me, Jay, but I want to say that like, I really want to be able to, at 2022, not be so kind of like locked into the old, uh, uh, the old rules that we had. The bottom line is it's amazing stuff, right? It's amazing technology from air mobility to ag to these are the killer apps these are the things that we take all those electrons we put them to good use so that's what we're going to talk about and we're going to scrape scrape through there and pull out some of the just cherry pick some of the cool things and what, what are some of the ones you're excited about the absolute gems of the show um because we're in the energy space you know you, you sent this to me um gaff is a huge um roofing uh, outfit they have thousands of subcontractors across the nation uh, really really well known if you google just gaff i expected to get like somebody's uh, like the, the definition of the word but it's actually the first hit on google is this this company they um are now branching into energy and actually manufacturing their own and this is great nailable yes i said nailable like put nails through it <laughs> <laughs> solar solar roof product and it's and it's based off of shingles it's it's a, like a they're building it as a shingle um it actually doesn't look like a shingle to me and i'm trying to get the data sheets right now there's not a lot of information but when you check this thing out it is built around the standard model of roofing so it's going to be instead of the, the tesla model of they need to train do a special way all the interconnects and everything go have need to fit um it looks like it's a much more um installable product if I can say that with so, a lot less interconnects and yes. but still following, but still following a standard model that your standard, your regular roofer can just 
get on the roof and do it. One man carries yes. light, lightweight shingles and, and be able to put up a solar roof. Okay. A reputable so roofer. <laughs> this is, this is really exciting. And we, I, I don't think you've had a chance to see this because Jay hasn't necessarily seen all of the uh, draft videos that we made this past summer, but one of the interviews that we did for the solar vertical, right, was with the Rising Sun guys, Jyoti Mangit, out here pioneering, really, the, de the deployment of the Tesla solar roof, which is, by the way, V4 at the moment, a Tesla solar glass. Yep. And uh, he talked a lot about the complexities and the challenges and, and it, with that particular model, right? And we have this beautiful imagery. It's amazing. But it's so when we, the, the GAF guys were on my radar this summer, right? And this is a, apparently it's like a billionaire family and they're in charge of this amazing uh, company. And, you know, it's, it looks like an alternative approach to BIPV, which is really the a holy grail, I think is the term I used in the videos for this, the holy grail of, uh, of, of building integrated photovoltaics is really the, the solar roof. That's like the ultimate one, right? Because there's lots of different BIPV stuff out there, but the solar roof, their opportunity there is pretty exciting. I mean, that's the thing where you can go after the housing starts. That's the thing where you can go after all the new builds. We, have, we are still in a housing crisis, right? So all there are going to be lots of new houses going to need to be built. And if they can be built with solar roofs rather than traditional roofs then later on down the road come in and put panels on if they can be done in a way that is not uh let's say onerous and complex and too complicated to make it profitable for the companies involved if roofing companies can do it and that's where the nailable i love the way that they said that it's a nailable solar roof because they're saying yeah. existing roofing companies can do this that's what they're saying yep. yeah yeah that's, that's everything that's, that was that was precisely the point is that if you can do this i mean that was part of Musk's original presentation for the Tesla roof was that it's not going to cost any more than just getting your roof done. So if you are doing new construction or if you are re-roofing your house, um, it, it, makes, <laughs> it makes no sense not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, in the new, uh, the, the new way we're, we're making drinks in the middle of the show, Jay. So <laughs> that's how it goes. Is, is that how this is going? Okay. Yes. That's <laughs> how it's going because uh, I just you do realize <laughs> well, it's 11, 20 in the morning for me. So I'm not trying to encourage you to drink at 1120 in the morning, but I'm going to drink at 1120 uh, Osaka time, which is uh, okay. 419. Yeah. You're, you're, Maui you're, time. you're, you're, you're fine. I'll let you go. Uh, you got to pass. Thank you. So, uh, so yeah. <laughs> the next thing I want to talk about really quick is that Samsung remote, the one without any batteries in it. How does that work? Yeah. Are you there know? no batteries or are they just not uh, replaceable? There's a battery. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, that it's, it's actually very unclear right now. It says no batteries or it doesn't take any batteries. Uh, what they're talking about is like typical, typical double, double AAA batteries that you have to always replace. Um, and there's no USB charger for the it. For example. Actually don't work that well in that, that use case because the remotes themselves are so low power that they really, they'll, they'll drain the battery all the way to zero. And that works great for, your old batteries, which you want to use every single last electron you can squeeze out of them, but because you're gonna because you've been gonna bin it. But if it's a rechargeable, they actually don't like going to zero. I've told you this before: is you don't you don't want to drain your phone to zero percent because you're actually damaging the battery. And they've since put charge controllers and firmware in there to to make sure that you don't do that. Um, but it could just be a a larger than average capacitor in there that's doing things. But the the most interesting thing is there's a solar cell embedded in it. I don't really like the location. Remember, we used to have solar calculators and they had that little solar panel right up at the top and that worked. But the solar panel on this remote is actually in the bottom. So you have to turn your remote upside down. Who does that? I don't think it's like actually not going not gonna to work that well. But the most interesting tech is RF energy harvesting. So stray RF noise that's out there. So it's not it's coming stable. from a source. It's everyone's it's all around. It's not coming us. from a source. It's, it's oh. like your Wi-Fi. Yes. Oh. <laughs> your Wi-Fi or the 5G or whatever else is around in your But it's not probably it's not discriminate, right? It, like, it doesn't have Yeah, it's not like a regular inductive you have to set up the little power thing and it it's radiating you in your living room all the time. It's literally just what you would consider ambient, the stuff that's already in the air around your house. That's what it's harvesting. And that's really cool because- There's some guys that wear copper pants to avoid that stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't keep your cell phone in your pocket. Um, <laughs> but, 
but that type of stuff, you're talking about relatively low power devices and we're getting more low power all the time. You know, in, in my brief time going back into electronics, it's gone from five volt to three volt to 1.8 volt. You know, they just keep going, stepping down uh, in the, the necessary voltages and currents to, to run these little, little microprocessors. But things like, for example, um, sensors for your smart home, whether it's room occupancy or alarm related, whatever it is, you might not need wiring at all for anything. So this is the area when we, once again, I, I think I'm going to immediately go back and reference the same person, Brian Patterson, Emerge Alliance, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So we're talking about hybridization of the grid, DC, AC. We're talking about, remember that phrase he used that we fell in love with? The, yep. um, what was it? The uh, uh, flourishing garden, garden yeah. of smart home devices and, you know, or IoT devices yep. in your home. And in yep. that notion of all of this technology needs to be powered one way or the other. And in order to be able to take advantage of this, and, and there's things that, you know, are obvious to us. A remote is probably the most obvious because one of the first things we got, right? But that remote, and this may not sound sexy to people, ah, remote, whatever, it's powered by Wi-Fi, who cares? But when we think about it, we think, whoa, what else can it power? And, you know, yeah. and then then you're not, you know, replacing batteries or the real costs of, of, of like, for example, what Troy goes through at, um, at Pantech and Crestron and Adapt Energy and all those cool, uh, that amazing suite of companies with Sonin, those guys are doing really radical high-end smart homes, right? But there's a lot of wiring involved in that, right? A lot of that yep. technology, whether it's the Lutron shades or whether it's the, you know, the unbelievable uh, different types of nope. tech that's, that, that, yeah. it, that it handles. Can you power these things, all these different devices? And believe me, folks, there are like hundreds coming, right? Uh, from sensors and water sensors to, you know, to, to uh, temperature uh, related things, to battery related things, to your hot tub could have three or four different sensors in it, right? Like, yep. so could we start to harvest energy and power those devices um, through different mechanisms like this. And that's what I think is really interesting to see. I, I, I love the idea of, I mean, of course, we've always had those solar powered calculators, right? That was kind of one of the first ones, examples of that. Mm -hmm. Or the kinetic yeah, watches. The, right? the interesting thing to me is that RF harvesting. I mean, solar, the little solar panels have been around. They, they work in specific use cases. Um, and this, this RF harvesting thing is the same way. When you talk about the shades, the electric shades, those are never going to be powered by RF, RF harvesting. The motor too requires much power too, much, too, much, too much energy uh, to move those shades up and down. But the sensor that will detect whether the shades need to move up and down, if it's just a light sensor somewhere. I mean, it doesn't, if, how often does it need to report? Once every 30 minutes, once every hour? You know, it has plenty of time to sit there and build up a little current, activate it, take a reading from the sensor, send off a data packet that says it's now kind of bright in here. It's 4.30 in the afternoon and, and the sun's blazing in. We want to close the shades. And then the system takes action. But, and the same with like alarm sensors, you know, it doesn't have to do anything unless there's an event. So it can always just right. sit there and be fully charged, ready. And then if heaven forbid, someone starts breaking in your home, you, um, the, the sensor alerts and somebody and, and everybody can have these things and you don't have to go around changing. I mean, they do exist that you have wireless sensors, but you have to go around and replace the batteries every six months or whatever it is. It's an <laughs> well, that's the, that's the core And nobody point, right? ever does that. <laughs> it's, it's almost like it's a stopgap to being able to really have, um, you know, very, meaningful smart home equipment you know a lot of this stuff is kind of like oh that's neat let's try it out it may not be that meaningful to to you right and i've since we started this discussion i've definitely delved into the world of lighting and i've got mm -hmm. a whole bunch of lighting around the a property i've got it hooked up to the phone i can turn it on if i can set schedules i'm too lazy i never set it and maximize its full potential but it is pretty it's a, it's a nice it's a nice tool to have you go oh, this is something i like I like, yep. like, and I have like a little hot tub out back and I just put uh, these, these uh, colored lights that allow me to kind of walk out without tripping over the stones. Right. And that's actually valuable to me. So it's like, we're going to see more and more of this tech. I'm excited about the sensors primarily, and maybe the sensors are an area that can um, really benefit from alternative power source, because like yeah. you just said, they're standby. And they don't require uh, necessarily huge kind of, you know, power or a lot of power over time. So yeah. that's very cool, man. Do you think that, um, uh, do you think that Samsung is kind of trying to say something with this? Because the remote is just a, it's like, 
you think they're saying, hey, we're going to be doing it, more of this in the future? Toy. Well, it's okay. So the, the RF harvesting technology is relatively new. They're still working on efficiencies and how to make it actually actually work. But I, I can see a future, and I'm going to name drop only because I, they, they were really close to me when I was growing up, like Anderson Window and Door. And they're right. going to be oh, yeah, fielding, yeah. fielding windows that come pre-equipped. I mean, you don't, even, you don't have to bother with sensors. You know, they're already built into the window frame becomes a standard that's, uh, that's feature gonna, set. It's going to be a standard feature in yeah. newer, smarter homes. Yeah. Radical, man. Radical. I had something else I want to say, but let, let's jump on to something that's else. It's a weird futurist so, thing. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Well, the, the, the thing I wanted to ask you about, actually, was you remember the choo-choo train from uh, CES 2020 yep. that was powered, the little train? Was that the same technology? Um, Do you remember? I, not, I can't remember. Yeah, I think I, it was. I thought that, I thought that was inductive. I, we'll have to look back on it because we have that uh, right. in one of our shows, and yep. that was a this. There was this fella, I, his name will come up. It was like uh, Yuri or something. He's a neat guy, and he's a CEO of this small company, and he had a little choo-choo train that was going around in circles. And he's like, "Look, no wires. <laughs> it's powered by that." And I thought I was wondering if it was the same technology. So we'll yeah, to, powered, powered, it. powered by that, meaning meaning the inductive beam. I mean, that's that's like right. the wireless for for your. I see. For, uh, I see. You I was just hoping for Yuri that he got bought by Samsung and made will. a bunch of money. <laughs> Yeah, so. <laughs> inductive, inductive charging. Um, All right. Well, which, finally, well, finally, we got to talk a little bit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, gonna jump right in on this one. We got to talk a little bit about EVs because apparently, um, everybody has one. <laughs> yeah. Which one do you want to talk about? Because <laughs> that's the thing. Well, so let's talk right away. Let's talk about Sony. Sony's a company you know making automobiles, right? And that's that's a thing. Yeah. No, of course. no. Okay. <laughs> Sony has just announced that they're going to form a new company, Sony Mobility Inc. Um, it's it's in process right now. Probably the end of quarter one, early quarter two, you're going to see them start starting out. And they have a couple different models, um, but the Vision S2 uh, SUV is the one that they just showed off today. Um, this is it's this is really speaks to like the cross pollination in all these industries. You go to see something like CES and they traditionally you'd have companies that do that operate in a certain space and that's it. But what now um, anybody can do anything. All the automakers are talking about software. I was walking and watching the GM presentation and he mentioned Linux and their proprietary platform that anybody can develop for and I'm going to download it and try it. But um, anybody can develop for um, twice in the presentation because they want to make it very clear that these vehicles are not no, no longer static. Like you used to be able to buy a vehicle and you knew what it's zero to 60 time is. Well, now they're saying that you, well, we can, we can change that. And they can <laughs> because it's all in software. Well, the, um, you know, what's, what's exciting here to me is that everybody's making an EV mm -hmm. and that that probably goes back to some of these companies on the foundational level of the tech that really maybe have the huge capital to throw into it and they can um maybe they create some, like well one of the companies REE i noticed that they um and it was an israeli startup recently and then they're they're blowing up of course and they have this kind of skateboard that allows other companies to create their own um uh EVs over that platform right yep. and so i think yep. that we're going to see you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of companies move in that space, but a company like Sony obviously has the resources to do some meaningful things and distinguish themselves in the space, right? So what are the technologies that Sony might bring to bear that will be distinct from Tesla or Mercedes or the other guys with the big capital, right? Or GM, of course, we're going to talk about, you know, the major keynotes It's probably half dozen or a dozen big keynotes at CES this year. And a lot of them are talking about the full ecosystem, whether it's hardware, whether it's software, whether it's, you know, how they go about producing these things, the supply chains, how they control mm -hmm. their supply chain, the batteries, everything, right? All of the different things that are out there. But like Sony, that's a company that's got moxie, right? A lot of muscle. And what are the things that a company like Sony might focus on by making, you know, making something that's distinct? And that's the type of stuff that I get excited about when I look at these EVs. You know, we've been driving, we've had a chance since five years ago, we went out to uh, San Francisco to figure out what was going on with EVs. And we drove around in an RV then, right? And we got in the Bolt and we got in the X and we got in the S. And um, it was like, wow, these are awesome. That was the, the main thing was like, wow, these are amazing. Yeah, it was a totally new experience vehicles. at the time. 
It was so, it, that was only five years ago, Jay. It's not like that was a hundred years ago. That was five <laughs> years ago. And, you know, and now what are we looking at? Everyone's building like these unreal machines with all these capabilities, right? So yep. we, uh, right now you, in the Tesla sphere, you have the Model S Plaid with the yoke, right? They have like a 1.9 or under two seconds, zero to 60. They have a world record on the, on the quarter mile. You know, they just are on Jay Leno's garage thing and that show, right? And they're blowing past everything. So we've kind of like, everyone's come to the place where we know that these EVs are dominant in performance for the most part. They're just dominant. And then when you get in them, now all these new, uh, I'm going to say accoutrement, <laughs> all these new wonderful little, uh, you know, experiences can be had inside of them. I'm seeing companies like, and this is even the last couple of years at CES, um, I'm seeing companies like Toyota Boshoku, right? Though That's the, mm -hmm. I think the original Toyota company and they were yep. focusing on textiles and they were, that was, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever. Right. And what are, what's, what does Toyota bring to the, to the space if they're going to move from the hydrogen to the EVs, but regardless, you know, the, the, these new suite of cars where it's no longer just, it's almost like the phone. It's like everyone makes a phone and then who's going to be dominant. Who's going to create these new value propositions within the, that space. Now it's like the car is like the big platform and guys like Sony are coming out and they've got the prowess to do things. I mean, GM, Sam, you know, everybody's going to be doing it, man. I, I've, and I've, I, I certainly follow a lot of what Sony does. I have tremendous respect for their hardware engineers. I'm, I'm a little concerned about their software. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> if I can be totally honest. Yeah, you <laughs> sound like me talking but, about Ford. <laughs> a little bit. But, I'm a little but concerned that, about their software. And that's, but that's kind of what I was saying is that all these things are now software definable. Your zero to 60 time is not limited by the, um, the size of your carburetor intake. It's limited by <laughs> the software that keeps all the torque from going to the motor and it ramps up so that you don't immediately get that ludicrous speed acceleration. Uh, that was part of the other, the GM presentation as well, is that you can actually, you can load a profile and your, your teenager is going to love this, but you can load the teenager oh, profile that. that will slow you down. <laughs> I loved it. I love it. They said, you're in a school zone. We're going to limit the capacity yeah, of the car. Automatically that really, the car. Yeah. That really, that really presents, I think, a, 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 a vision or at least a sense of, you know, where this goes beyond simply being dominant in performance, dominant in acceleration, dominant in, uh, you know, in, 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 in handling or whatever the characteristics are. I mean, I got a chance, by the way, I don't know if, I think we talked about this briefly. I got a chance to sit in the uh, Porsche Taycan. Mm -hmm. And I was excited uh, here in Maui and I was excited about the prospect of that Taycan maybe having like a more, car-like interior in contrast with the Tesla. It didn't really feel like it did though. I, I mean, it did a nice job with design, but it didn't feel like the Porsches that I know, right? Mm. Um, so it's like, I would think that Porsche would throw their weight behind the the interior and the luxurious feel, right? But uh, so who knows? I mean, at companies like Sony, they're probably going to focus in on some of their, you know, their their real strong core skill sets and value proposition, things they can do well. You said you're concerned yeah. about the software. Um, um, GM, they've 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 had issues over the over the years, but I think it's it's mostly because of the sectors that they operate in. They operate in entertainment, and entertainment is dominated by uh, this this war between the content providers and the content pirates, <laughs> if, uh. I can, if I can say that. And so just, their, their system security is constantly being uh, circumvented. Uh, they do have issues. And, and mark my words, the day is coming where someone is going to hack somebody else's vehicle and something is going to happen. And it's going to cause some seismic shifts through the industry. Mm. Um, GM's presentation like I said they, they mentioned Linux specifically twice which I think is great yeah. um I recently did my own switch I'm, is that I'm a good thing or, a, or or not good thing from Jay's perspective uh it, it can it, no it, it can be nothing is completely secure and the illusion of that security is is what what keeps us all happy but I think that there's going to be and there's going to need to be some serious focus. They keep talking about being connected all the time, being on the low latency. Sony said low latency 5G is coming in all their vehicles. Um, they focused a lot on their entertainment side. You know, we're, you're going to be entertained in your vehicle all the time. Well, shouldn't you be paying attention to the road? But <laughs> the um, I mean, but they're they're going to be they're going to be all be connected to each other. And if they're all connected to each other, well, anybody can get in the middle of that connection and do sure. things. And if you had bad, you're going to have bad actors. So. How do they circumvent that? How do they stop that? 
Well, we'll find out which companies are strong. The security is, as always, security, and this is just like for the smart home stuff. I'm I'm always a a high, a big proponent of security processes, additional securities. Um, You talk about we're now talking about lethal weapons vehicles. Um, we are now being, talking about yeah we are weapons. we are we are yes. now talking about lethal it's lethal no longer weapons. like and, and, you know you, you can't yeah. do your excel spreadsheet now it's like yeah yeah, yeah no, it, you can you can yeah. literally drive a drive a start up a bunch of vehicles in in a in a parking lot somewhere and drive them all through the mall at high speed you know <laughs> you could do that if you could do that you know um, along those I, lines jay like i'm sorry to interrupt you but along those lines a, a moment ago in my background we saw the uh, indianapolis 500 autonomous Indianapolis 500, right? And they have an event on the 7th, which is only two days away. They're actually, you know, bringing these, um, these remarkable machines to the, the speedway, the Indianapolis speedway, and they're going to be uh, competing as I understand it. Right. So it's like, that's a very um, high consequence space. Of course, there are no people in those vehicles. Right. Um, But this is a great testing ground for that type of technology. So, you know, I'm excited to see. It absolutely needs to happen. This is, this is what we did in robotics before is that you, I mean, it's, it's a speed challenge and you literally have to build the fastest robot that will go through a course. There's no difference whether it's a little maze in a lab somewhere or the, uh, the, the Monte Carlo track, you know, <laughs> it doesn't really matter, <laughs> but it's, it's going to be fun to watch for sure. And these guys are, are going, going to be going at a cl- good clip. They're going to be able to do things with those vehicles that, and I, I hesitate to say it, but the human pilots probably would never be able to achieve. And sure. that's, that's yeah. going to be really, really, really fun to watch. And that's where innovation happens. You know, that they're not limited to the, all the, 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 technical um constraints of of keeping a human being alive and or safe mm. uh they're mm. gonna they're gonna be able to do a lot of other stuff they're gonna be able to reduce weight a whole lot um yep. it, it, like i said it's, it's gonna be really interesting to see what kind of technology comes out of those events i uh, okay so let's put a placeholder in the world of evs because it's so big Right. And when we say EV, we may be thinking, oh, well, passenger cars. But in in the solar coaster world, EVs are include electric vehicles, the electrification of transportation include, you know, uh, ships and transpo and uh you know shipping yeah, we're talking, and, we're talking. Uh, cargo uh, you know semi trail and locomotives and yep. and maritime and aviation and last mile delivery so and we just constantly think in that arc of the entire um movement uh electrification of of movable devices kind of world of but even within just ev alone like passenger vehicles there's probably uh, a dozen things we're going to want to talk about from the fisker ocean uh, and from sony and uh and 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 a bunch of other guys that are out Cadillac's there it's, interspace, yes. which doesn't have any controls at all interspace the caddy <laughs> the super pimp yeah. and caddy yes right the silverado the outside, from the outside it, I, I i swear it still has it has like a diablo-esque it looks like a lamborghini silhouette but inside it's like a, a living room with a big tv <laughs> yes it's it's uh, but, but it's like a it, it's still got that you know beefy caddy kind of thing it's like if you were to take a lambo and put it up about a foot and a half off the ground it's kind of like that right so uh but anyway yeah there's there's plenty to talk about with evs and we'll probably cover those in subsequent shows you know uh timing allowed uh for that but we are going to be able to touch base on some of these um uh, other aspects of the energy technologies that are interesting out there we did find that um why don't we just touch base briefly on um split volts remember split volt we saw those guys i want to say two years ago at these shows and it was kind of cool because what this company is doing and they're not i haven't seen a lot of news about new technology with split bolt split volt but what i do want to bring it up because this is a is a tech that allows you as opposed to putting in an ev charger you're able to effectively take your existing or a new i'd say electrical behind the ev charger you're able to use the electrical that's in place for your dryer to 
switch it over to your EV. And, yeah. you know, that's the thing where you can save a, a lot of money because I don't know if you've, if you've had the experience, the lovely experience of hiring electricians recently, but they tend to be pretty expensive. And when you get them in there to do something, they're like, ah, that thing right there that you bought for 500 bucks, it's going to cost you whatever, a G to put it in, right? So it's like, in this case, you might be able to they, save some of that money with the subject to a lot of regulations. You know, when you're talking, oh, yeah. you're talking, you're talking three phase electric, you're talking metal conduit, you know, they have to do a lot of work to put that in. I don't fault sure them do. at all for having to charge. I'm not saying it's not legitimate. It's I'm just saying it's a real cost. <laughs> ripping walls apart, and installing conduit, running cable and all the things. And then you have to understand how not to cook yourself in the process. So yeah, there's a reason they call them sparkies, you know, yeah. and so <laughs> the, the sparkies tend to cost a lot of money. Splitvolt has an opportunity here to save you some money. Splitvolt's a neat company. And I think that, you know, um, be, finding ways to save money on the deployment of these new, the new tech is an area that I'm always um, going to be excited to see. Right. You know, it's yep. like um, it, you, it, you've already invested. Like if you go out and buy an EV right now, if you can get one, uh, you've already invested tens of thousands of dollars in a new car and you've kind of psychologically sunk down your your money and your your belief in the sense that this thing is going to work for me over the over the next decade or whatever or five years and it's going to pay for it's going to you know pay off it's, a, it's going to be a beneficial decision um but in the case of uh you know then all of a sudden you get it home and you're like oh i i, I can't charge it on my regular outlet right what am i going to do how do i get a reasonable charge rate out you of this can, okay but well, it is abhorrently slow um, yes that but, would be tough yeah. So this, this is one way to address that. The other thing is if you're going in and you're actually going for EVs, uh, maybe you have solar or you're thinking about solar, you're thinking about that solar roof, um, you're going to have to go and, and reevaluate the entire electrical system of the home. Generally, talk, talking about replacing panels, you know, cable wiring. Um, but the SPAN system, we talked about SPAN previously as well. Yep. They just announced that they have a new panel, 33% smaller than the previous version. And they have their, um, their own, uh, high-speed charger that can go with that as well. The so drive. yep. Yeah. The drive. So there's, there's a lot of options. Like when we were talking about this stuff, even two years ago, you really didn't have very many options at all. DC fast charging was not something that was easy to do in yep. your house. Yep. Um, now you have, we're, we're spoiled for choice. Well, SPAN is a great talking point because we've had some communication communication with SPAN here in Maui, and mm -hmm. they were uh, generating, generating, they were uh, donating some of their Gen 1s to the community in Maui. I was able to get one of those. I haven't installed it yet. And a couple of my friends as well, right? And so these Gen 1s, you know, they were like, okay, well, they maybe have a $5,000 MSRP, okay? But the actual install costs were between like two and three G's on average to install those systems, just like we were just talking about, right? Yep. So, but but a very very attractive tech. And for those of you who haven't had a chance to look at Span, and I and, I, and I'll take this moment to say there are other companies out there doing the same thing. And I'll call out, of course, Troy Morgan. Uh, with Adapt Energy and their panel. And that uh, is a really remarkable technology. I think it warrants a look anytime you're buying a, a smart load control panel. And of course, there's Span. These guys are Tesla uh, exits. They, they, you know, previous Tesla engineers. And then, of course, there's Lumen. Remember the Lumen guys, uh, yeah. Alexander uh, from the Southeast. So these are smart panel. These basically go in and replace your electric load center your your panel everybody knows where their panel is the one the, the breakers that's what we're talking about uh oh um, power went out my, do we my, do? my point is that if you're if you're going and like you're going to put solar on your home or you have to put in a new circuits to to support an ev uh you may end up having to replace the panel anyway or add make it larger whatever it is Upgrade. if you're going to do that take a serious look at smart panels because you're already Why? going to be paying a, a large amount of money to replace that That's panel. A great point. Why would you, why would you replace it with good old bus bars when you can actually get all the additional features for not much more? It's a great point. It's a great point. And so you, you just mentioned, first of all, you know, you mentioned if you're going to have to upgrade your panel, very rarely do we have to do that in the solar days, but I can see that happening more and more with the introduction of the EV equation, right? Mm -hmm. So now you've got solar, you've got typically batteries in, 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 in a lot of the environments like Hawaii and yep. certainly in California and across the country, it's becoming popular. I bet it's becoming popular in Texas after their event, you know, a year ago. Yep. So you have solar, you have batteries, you now you have EVs. 
now maybe you need an upgraded panel. Maybe you need an upgraded uh, overall uh, amount of amperage. You, who knows? You may be in that situation. When you do that, well, what, what is a smart panel? What does it do for you? It, it, it actually is game changing because no longer are you sitting there saying to yourself, all right, my battery, let's say you've got a 10 kilowatt hour battery and you've got a 50 kilowatt hour uh, you know, battery inside your EV and you've got solar booming. Well, if power goes out, you, 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 how do you use that 10 kilowatt hours? Well, you can run all your entire home and then suck it down in an hour or two because you're using like crazy amounts of energy or you can in a smart way curtail loads dynamically with a smart panel and you can say don't need that don't need that don't need that in fact it all can happen autonomously because you you have some basic presets yeah. that, that's, that allow that's what you i was going to say, say okay. that it's, it's smart enough now when you when you talk start, start talking about smart homes they're getting smarter and it's able to identify circuits that are maybe using too much um, it's able to track history. It keeps a history now of, of learn. what learn from you typical circuits do during your normal operations. And it'll identify outliers and say, hey, you know what? This circuit's using way too much. I mean, maybe you have an air conditioning in a guest room and somebody left it on and nobody's noticed. Or maybe you actually do have guests and they're using it. I mean, but it'll, it'll you let you know, eh, you might want to take a look at that. It's kind of like um, the, I, heard, the I heard somebody old... say recently I, they had a, they had a, um, a large appliance fail, like a dryer or something. And because it was drawing too much current, even before the failure, they were able to identify that, hey, this thing is operating abnormally. That's so cool. And, and take, take so a look cool. at it. Yeah, so you so, can get a repair out before it actually breaks that's down. A whole diff that's a whole additional value proposition here. The bottom line is yeah. it's almost like the old, like you take the old dad of the 70s that said, who turned up the thermostat, <laughs> right? Or who, <laughs> right? That guy, that was now the, it's the a smart panel and it's much friendlier that. and it's less judgmental <laughs> and it doesn't yell okay. at you, but it says, hey, these are the things that are happening in your home right now on a load by load or device by device basis. And yep. you can make changes. And th that, that world is evolving at the moment yeah. too. I talked to Troy the other day no, maybe less than a month ago. And he's like, oh, there's some things happening. I can't even tell you <laughs> because yep. there's some things happening in the way we handle this tech and it's really different and it's really exciting. Bottom line is that you've got, if, but, but, but if you were just looking at this going, why on earth would I need a, a smart panel? Here's a very simple reason. Power goes out, right? Instead of having two hours of backup power, cause you're just using all of your energy, you might have two days. It can make those kinds of decisions for you. And remember the smart, the, the Pantech design uh, uh, minutes we did, Jay? Let's yep. say that you curtailed loads because you want to keep that battery powering your home over this undefined period of a power outage. You know, when we think about emergency situations and, you know, but then you need to use something like your garage door. Yeah. So what do you do? You go into your app and you say garage door breaker on. And then you use your garage door and you turn it off, garage door breaker off. And then, yeah. so you're able to use what you need at a given moment and, and preserve the longevity of your batteries, which are kind of the new kit. And the next stage of that is bi-directional charging, because then we go from a 10 kilowatt hour battery or a 20 kilowatt hour battery that we have on our, on our side of our homes to now, oh, there's a 50 kilowatt or a hundred kilowatt hour, you know, uh, lightning sitting in our driveway. Uh, how do we take advantage of that? And there are some companies that are producing technology that I know we're going to segue to, right? Yep. That allow you to do that. Now I'm not talking about Osiaco. That's another company up in uh, Montreal that we had on the show. Remember bi-directional charging? Yep. Uh, we also, but the one that's at this show right now is, remember the wall box? We had them on the show, yep. I think two years ago. And the wall box, I believe it's the Quasar 2. Let me pull it up here for a second. I don't know if you've got the bottom line. And I saw 11.6 kilowatts. Bi -direct, Bidirectional is a huge issue for a lot of people. I've, I've, I've had people literally come to me and said, yeah, I'll buy an EV, but only when I can use it as the home, as the home battery in an emergency situation as well. And so it's, it's, it's a major selling point for people. As you see these EVs come online, um, people want want this particular feature more than any other and i think it's because of the, the sheer number of extreme weather events we've had recently uh, well yeah but you issues. don't want to in the absence of that you're sitting there and you have this huge asset and you can't use it right so yeah. it's like you know because if, you, well, if your guy's buying you, an ev why would you pay for it when you can't when you can't right. use it well if you're you if it. your guy's buying an ev and you're probably a guy that's already looking at solar and solar plus batteries right Sure. So you're in that kind of world and then you got, and you got, and if you were to try to put that amount of batteries on your roof, you'd be tanked. It'd be a hundred G's. 
right? Yeah. So, you know, you, now you, you know you got your, uh, your EV. It could be, even be a leased EV. Who knows, right? And yeah. so you've got this EV. It's got all this power. Why can't I use it? Why can't I use it in this environment? And this is what really the land, rounds the out the technology. Too. The landscape is changing too for both charging and discharging. Um, California is, they have proposals on the table to cut um, the, the credit you get for feeding back to the grid by another 75% and levy attacks on people with residential solar. I mean, it's, it's going to be oh really, it's, it's really, really aggressive <laughs> by the utilities. Um, so you're, you're going to want to, you're, you're going to want control of your energy. So these smart panels, these smart chargers, um, bi-directional, um, being able to move your own energy in your own sphere of influence is going to become really, really important. That's it's, it's the only power we have. Okay. So this space is an area that's kind of near and dear to my heart. I really I like it. And I'm really uh, enthusiastic about the potential. And what occurs to me is that if you have a solar plus battery system, and you have a bi-directional EV charger. Of course, there's an emergency and an outage scenario value proposition. But in general, the opportunity to be able to put energy somewhere when the grid doesn't want it or when you power hungry utilities, I'm, I'm not really interested in kind of boxing my words at all. Those guys are saying, hey, we're going to try to tax you. We're going to try to hit you. We're going to try to change rates on you. I mean, that energy arbitrage that they're playing in order to maintain their position of power, right? You now can say, ah, I'll just throw it into my EV. And imagine if you have two EVs, somebody's driving, somebody's not. Most people have two cars, right? Most people do. Yep, so, yep. In, you know, in the United States, imagine you have two EVs, someone's driving, one, one is there that's saying I can suck up, you know, 60, 70, 80 kilowatt hours of juice at any given moment, right? Yep. You have power at that moment. Power, I mean, you know, in terms of individualized power to be able to make decisions, you also have power. You have authority. <laughs> but, you have authority. authority, sure. So you can say, hey, um, at a given moment, I'm not going to feed that back to the grid. This thing, my my levelized cost of energy, if I know that levelized cost of energy is a metric within the solar plus battery or solar world, my levelized cost of energy is X amount. And if I've created this energy and the utility doesn't want to pay me for it, or they don't want to pay me a, a rate that I believe is is reflective of my investment or is not the best rate for me, then I can either use it, store it in my battery on my roof, the aforementioned, which could be very expensive if you had too much batteries, or boom, this big reservoir of uh, electron storage right in your driveway. And you can yeah, you just, have that flexibility. Think of it as a bucket. Where do I, where do I put it? Put it in the it's bucket. It's beautiful. And especially when, the, when we're going to talk eventually about um, about generators. I think the generator really rounds out the entire equation. But, you know, that's where you For now the true you're just bulletproof. Anything can happen and I'm OK kind of scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can always run it and, you know, run it fast and run it hard and you got what you need. So, OK, so the Quasar 2, this is V to H, right? Of yep. course, we're talking people are going to bring up the concept of V to G. It's a little more complex because now you've got, you know, the idea of, taking vehicle energy and dis, dis, you know, dissipating it or distributing it to the to the grid. There are companies that are looking at that stuff, but that's probably farther on down the road. Vita H is pretty straightforward and, and right there with us, Wallbox is doing it. And these yep. technologies are there. Now, they, I, I just saw the, the stats again. I remember reading it earlier, 11. but I think 5. it was 11.5 kilowatts yep. of power. 11.5 is, um, that's a lot. I think that is, I think that's one of the, it's a level two charger, isn't it? At 40 yeah. amps, but, yep. but bi-directional. Yeah. Because right? we were excited that's, about that's, the 11s that's the before. Trick. It's not, it's not a super fast in one direction, get a hundred miles in 10 minutes type of battery for your car. It is truly taking that much power. And then you could, you could do whole home kind of backup on that. That's whole home backup for sure. That's 40 yeah, that's amps. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that is, if I remember correctly, the Solar Edge Energy Hub system and their um, their EV charger, which was not bi-directional at the time. I'm sure they're moving in that direction too. But that was something like 11 and change when you took the, mm -hmm. the solar plus the grid and aggregated it. And it was the most powerful right. level two charger right. on the planet at the time. That was about a year or so ago. So now Quasar, the Quasar 2 and the um, and Wallbox out of Spain, I believe, they're now doing that bi-directionally. This is how fast the, the industry moves, man. It just evolves, right? Yep. Bi-directional. We can do 11.5. We can do 11.5 both ways. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly, dude. That is so uh, pow power boost. 
and they got a bunch of other stuff too. Wallbox is a great company to take a look at. You know, they're doing um, a commercial EV uh, charging as well. They have something called the Supernova, the DC fast charger. Uh, that's 65 to 130 kilowatts of power. That's some serious juice. That's the kind of stuff that might happen on a highway for like a Tesla super, uh, what do you call them? Superchargers, is that they call them? That's like I said, hundred miles in 10 minutes if you're sitting there and just right. really- So they have those, that's not a resident. That is, that is not bi-directional. That is just- Sure. To charge sure. the vehicle when you have an abundance of power. Yeah, well, it'd be a little spooky bi-directionally. Hypernova, <laughs> right? <laughs> Hypernova is uh, 350 kilowatts of power. So you're, now you're getting ready for like the the trucks you're moving across the country yep. and recharging yep. um, something with maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a megawatt, a megawatt hour of storage in a bus or a, I know we just did a, a show on uh, BYD's um, uh, batteries. And of course, they're city commuting things. They're a few hundred kilowatt hours, a couple hundred kilowatt hours, but they're bigger than EVs. And then when you get into something like the trucks, uh, who's doing the truck semi, the Tesla semi? I don't remember the stats on the kilowatt hours, but that's the type of charging that you probably would need to, to be able to make substantial difference in a short period of time, right? Yeah. Okay. Hypernova, wall, very cool stuff. Anyway, check out Wallbox. They got loads of cool stuff. There's other there's like three or four other technologies there too. Which one do you want to take a look at next, bro? Um, do you want to talk about plug power at all? I can't talk about their fuel cell because I haven't read it and I can only find one article. Uh, on okay. <laughs> but I know we'll, that we'll, plug. We'll, we'll, we'll shelve that. I mean, that's, that's, that's the other edge of the coin. We're, talking about all these EVs and they have batteries and what do you do with that storage? But we need to talk about storage itself. I mean, storage itself is, is kind of the big thing. Um, you, you know what, I, there's one thing I want to talk about and this kind of the dovetails in um, domestic manufacturing, domestic from the perspective of the United States. Just about every presentation that I have seen has been referencing this. Um, bringing new fabs online, bringing new microprocessor facilities yeah. online, being able to source and and build uh, panels, um, whether they're solar panels or body panels for the vehicles, whatever it is, locally. So much of this stuff is regionally, at, at the very least. It really seems like a major, major talking point for just about everybody out there. Have you even seen the same thing or am I hallucinating? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the supply chain, well, we're hurting right now, right? Yeah. We're hurting. Yeah. And so that's a discussion, a topic that's going to come up and they're going to be talking about how they can solve those issues. And, you know, the, the, the bottom line is that, you know, we, for the last couple of decades, have made a, we meaning America, United States of America, have made a decision to outsource certain technologies, many technologies, and it's going to take time to develop the, um, the what do they call them, uh, sil silfabs, that they're called, or sil you know, mm -hmm. the, the yeah, ability that. to create these things, whether they're for computers, whether they're for EVs, or whether it's going to take time, and it's going to take investment, and, uh, you know, that's... You do you, do you yeah. really think that it's going to come to fruition? Because we're, we're, on, a, we're on the fast side. Nobody wants another shutdown. Um, I don't think we're going to see that type of stuff again. Um, do you really, do I really think, think that we're going that to reinstitute manufacturing it? in the United States? I, I think I have an answer to that. I do. Yeah. And, and here's the reason why. Look at these shipping costs that we have right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you think about how expensive it is, I was just looking at the, I, I was in the sourcing business back in 06. Right. And yep. I remember sourcing textiles, not te electronics, textiles in China. And then it would, it made sense because you would take basically the cost of making something in the United States, the cost of making it in China, you'd add on the shipping cost, you'd bring it in and you would see a, a Delta and you would be in your favor. And then you, that that's where the textile industry went. And that actually decimated new England, right? Because there was a, there was a yeah. textile haven, right? That was where a lot of textile was done. So of course that had negative impacts on the um, on the the labor force, but it had positive impacts on having inexpensive things, right? If you can say yeah. that. Um, now, but the problem with technology, it's a, I mean, they're part of the same conversation, but obviously there's a there's a national security issue here, right? We can't rely on our competitor slash you know uh, uh, nemesis for the manufacturing we need. It just doesn't. We need to be able to just and and right now we've got such a that math is different. 
It's so expensive to ship things. And I know guys innovating in the shipping space. I know guys that are innovating in uh, logistics and software and things to try to reduce the expense. But the bottom line is the expense of shipping is huge. And we've got, you know, kind of to a certain degree, bad actor partners. We really need to have um, some industries that are stable here in the United States for sure. And I think the math can support that. And I also think that the robotics and the type of automate automation that happens in the factories lends itself that to that as well. It's not going to be like the same level of, I mean, of course, it, this is all specifics, right? You know, the, the, it, if you're talking about, you know, making PV cells, which is something we're somewhat familiar with, you know, there's, mm -hmm. that's not like it's going to be thousands of employees in a fab. You're going to have a lot of robotics. You're going to have certain amounts of employees to do certain tasks that are better handled by people, right? Yeah. And that's going to be beneficial for us. And I think we're going to see that across the supply chain. I think we're going to see that, that I think we're going to see favorable policy for, oh, I hope we will see favorable policy. What the hell do I know about what DC is actually going to do? But I think, I hope we see favorable <laughs> policy. And they're already working on that with tax we should, credits we right should, now, we for example. We should be talking about it because, because. Yeah. That, well, look, about, look at the tax credits for, look at the tax credits for EVs at the moment, right? Sure. So now we have you can get up to, I think it was like, and I don't know if this is fully passed or not yet. I should know that with the Build Back Better and with the different um, uh, infrastructure bills that were there, but that you're looking at up to 12,500 per car. And the last couple pieces of that beyond the current level is, you know, union labor, American domestic manufacturing, it layers on, right, these uh, incentives. So th that's policy that's being put, trying to be put into place in order to recreate uh, a manufacturing base to take advantage of this new uh, momentum in electrification of transpo. And I think that's fantastic. And I'm excited about that. I, I'll tell you what, the, I, one we can talk about, I think is kind of related to this. It's supply chain E, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. But is mm -hmm. the Blue Eddy, the Blue Eddy. Sure. Now, this is a fun tech, Jay. Now, this is not EV. We're going to go into batteries and we're going to go into batteries in a way that are uh, uh, not so much like your standard home battery, like a Tesla or a Generac or an LG Chem 10H or a, uh, a Sonin or a Panasonic Evervolt or who am I missing? You know, not those guys, but, but I recently had a good buddy of mine that now lives out in Hana in a, in a beautiful little Halle, right? Like kind of in the middle of Kipahulu, actually. Kipahulu is kind of the far side of Hana, right? And he was asking me about these particular things. These are batteries that can be charged, you know, uh, kind of agnostically, whether it's from Generac generator or from grid or from solar or from wind. And they're these little portable chargers. And this thing called the Blue Eddy comes up in many of when you're doing those searches, Blue Eddy, they had a lot, they had, a, I believe they had some lithium iron phosphates. They probably had some lithium cobalts. And that was pretty much what was going on. And for CES this year, Blue Eddy came out with a sodium ion battery bank, which is, um, by the way, I'd never seen before. Why would they go about doing that? Well, the basic concept is that sodium, there's more of it than there is of lithium around. And it's easier to get access to. That's what I understand. Am I right on that, Jay? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the lithium has always been a big kind of sticking point when you're talking about these, these batteries, the lithium ion, lithium, whatever. Um, it's, it's, it's expensive. It's difficult to mine. Um, lithium cobalt, especially because cobalt starts bringing in a lot of geopolitical issues. Um, so, so there's meaning there's, that we get our cobalt real, from war-torn countries where they don't yeah, have good that. labor practices. So <laughs> yeah, you could absolutely. have like a kid harvesting cobalt out of the ground. In, yeah, you know, they're, some they're, they're literally out there with scrapers and picks, just trying to. Which to, is pretty terrible survive. for for yeah. you know the developed world to take advantage of that kind of thing. So, sodium yeah. does that provide a solution to that? Right. And that's everyone's kind of looking at other other storage alternatives, but I don't see a lot of bam, right to market new chemistries coming out. This is pretty rare. Well, I don't think it, I don't think it's say, a, I don't think it is a new chemistry. It's not, it's just not, it hasn't been commercialized because it was immediately identified as not as energy dense as the lithium technologies that are competing against it. And that's what everybody keeps talking about. Our, our goal has been energy density. We need more power in a smaller space, more energy in a smaller space to do more work um to to move a vehicle i mean vehicle is a, a heavy thing it takes a lot of power it's the reason why those batteries are three times your home battery your home bat your home your home doesn't move generally <laughs> so right but in this case so you need a lot of energy but this, these types yeah. of things can be useful well, let's in look, a lot of situations yeah and then in a situation that's useful is my buddy willie 
that's living in this cool little holly out in Kipahulu. And yeah. I just sold him some extra solar panels that I had. <laughs> you probably remember some of these solar panels sitting around. I was like, hey, man, I think this will work. And he's got them set up. And he's got it? a very <laughs> No, no, wait, no, no, no. He didn't break it, Jay. Unlike some people we know, so did I not those it? ones, <laughs> not the bifacials. We have a picture of Jay, uh, uh, you know, holding a, a bifacial that's cracked. So the, um, the, the, I'm going to read some of the specs on this. Cause I, we just went through the process. I sat down with Willie while he was trying to figure out how to power his devices out in this little Hale in Kipahulu in Maui. Right. And it, he's got about six of the panels set up right now. He's not using this particular, um, battery bank. He used something much more conventional. Um, but this sodium ion power station comes with 420 amp traditional wall plugs, 420 amps, right? As well as a 30 amp L1430 output port. I don't know exactly what that means, but you got about 3000 watt pure sine wave inverter in here. And, and apparently sodium ion is a good, has good thermal characteristics and yep. good longevity yep. characteristics. So but I will tell you that these systems tend to be a few thousand dollars. You tend to be able to hook up, you know, maybe six or seven or so panels that we, we just went through this process looking at all of these little, you know, portable battery for your little cabin kind of systems. And so if this is something that can get outside of the lithium cobalt thermal problems, and if it can do something similar to lithium iron phosphate, maybe at a better cost, that'd be interesting. If we can cost, see some cost, cost, cost is a thing if because lithium lithium is expensive and everybody wants it right now because they're all making batteries with it. Um, so to be able to use it, I'm most interested in the technology at large. Like if if a lot it gets more R and D money because people are buying these types of products. Um, you can when space is not a concern. So the reason why we go for those super high energy dense um, lithium technology batteries is because it needs to be in our phone and we need it to stay as, as long as possible um, and run as long as possible. The, is that your, uh, is that your, uh, your, your kerosene delivery? Yeah. <laughs> Jay lives in Osaka and uh, he's he, he still out there. It's still uh, uh, calm in, in the winter months to get deliveries of kerosene. I was hoping that I remember that happened once before. So. Yeah. I actually need to go downstairs for just a second. Welcome to the Solar Coaster, a renewable energy theme talk show right here in lovely Maui County. It's actually cheaper to build new solar technology than it is to operate existing fossil fuel. 